0: That wasn't your father's Texas Tech. We saw a mostly punchless offense coming to Owen Field Saturday. The Red Raiders managed a meager, by Texas Tech standards, 314 total yards and just 16 points against the Sooners. It's the fewest points allowed by an OU team against Texas Tech since 2010 when the Sooners gave up just seven to Taylor Potts and Tommy Tuberville's first season in Lubbock. Tech managed just an average of 4.9 yards per play. The question is, how much of Tech's poor performance was because they're just not a particularly good football team, who didn't have its starting quarterback, by the way, and how much of Tech's poor performance can be credited to Oklahoma's defense being much improved? It sounds like a cop-out, but the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Tech's offense isn't the same. It wouldn't have mattered if Allen Bowman had played. The Red Raiders are limited. In fact, OU's defensive line may have been able to tee off on a mostly immobile Bowman if he had been healthy enough to be out there. It's also clear that OU's defense isn't the same. I can't help but think that previous versions of the Sooners' D would have given up at least 400 yards and 28 points to Tech's backup quarterback Saturday in Norman. This new Oklahoma defense didn't do that. This new OU defense, once again, started incredibly fast. Back to back to back, three and outs to begin the game. Just like against UCLA, the Sooners defense got off the field early and allowed the offense to build a 17-0 lead in the blink of an eye. The competition hasn't been very good, but Alex Grinch and company have put together passing grades in their first four games of the season. It'd be inappropriate to overreact one way or another at this point. So let's all agree that it's fair to continue to be cautiously optimistic when it comes to this Sooners speed. D. am Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Looks back side, throws over the middle, and it's a mud. C.D. Lamb again. C.D. T.D. 65 yards. C.D. Lamb's third touchdown of the day welcomes us into the show. Seven catches, 185 yards, and those three scores Saturday for C.D. as the Sooners rolled over Texas Tech 55-16. OU is 4-0 and has Kansas and Lawrence on deck. A big thank you to those who've recently spread the word about West of Everest and left ratings on iTunes, although I will admit I'm not thrilled with the less-than-five-star ratings we've been getting. Guess we need to pick up our game a little bit. You guys out there keep us humble, so time to prepare more. Maybe after the show, Grant, as we bring him back in, we need to go to the weight room and work out like Jalen Hurts does, apparently, after Oklahoma plays games now.
1: I don't know if you need to. Pretty much every negative review on there is Lee's great, and then eh, Grant not so much. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: but we you have that's to have right. a heel on the show. Yeah, it's like a. I'm not a wrestling guy, but isn't that something important to have in entertainment? You got to have the the good guy, and apparently you're the bad guy. So, oh for sure, it. I'm the guy.
1: I'm the guy who throws out the hot takes. I'm a very opinionated person. Just in general, that's gonna rub some people the wrong way. It happens. It's chill.
0: Uh before we move on to the the game real quick i will say i think i've learned because you know you know i listen a lot of podcasts and i'm trying to decide what you know obviously a five-star rating you know people like it you know people really like the show they probably listen quite a bit and that's great we really appreciate that and those who give the one star rating the fact that you take the time to actually rate it one star to me it kind of is meaningless to me it's like eh, yeah no matter what you're not going to like the show but it's like the ratings kind of in the middle like if you give it like four or three or even two it's almost like all right well geez uh, you have like a, a legitimate gripe or you know maybe if you give it a four star you're like oh yeah i like it a lot but there's something off that i don't necessarily like so i think you can throw the fives and the ones out the people that are rating four through two we're really going to try to improve it in your guys's eyes do you have any theories when it comes to the rating system or is that just me
1: no, I mean, I think just different people have different preferences and we're all human beings. All human beings are wired differently and some things are going to work for some people and some things aren't. That's just sort of the nature of being alive.
0: Have you ever given a iTunes rating on a podcast?
1: Yes, I've only ever given five star reviews.
0: I don't, I don't, it's not worth my time otherwise. Yeah, I've only given out one rating, so... Uh... You know, I asked you all to do that to our show, so I figured I got to at least give out a rating. And yeah, it was a five star for a podcast I really like. So, anyways, uh, let's move on to the game. And here's how I want to start this podcast off. I think each of us need to give our initial kind of big takeaway from Saturday's win over Texas Tech. Let's see, Grant. I'm gonna since I did the opening take for this podcast, I'll throw it over to you. What's your initial big takeaway from Oklahoma's win?
1: I think the ceiling of this team is, is, is higher than anything we've seen in a really long time. I think there's still questions to be answered just because I don't think the competition has been amazing. But the competition hasn't been amazing for Ohio State either, and they probably look like the best team in the country right now. So, you know, it still counts even when you're playing teams that you're a lot better than. So, I, I just... But still, my big takeaway, and I think everyone is it wants to talk about the defense and everything. But my biggest takeaway is that this offense is insanely good, and I, I don't is going to continue to be insanely good. It just it seems like it's plug and play at this point in time. Jalen Hurts looks like a completely different player than he did at Alabama. Just complete he he's got completely unleashed. Um, it looks like he's improved in a lot of facets of his game. He made a lot of big boy throws on Saturday. Stuff that we really haven't seen a lot of him throughout his career. And I think that's something to be really excited about. And that was going against what was supposed to be, probably still is, the best defense they've faced so far this year. Texas Tech is going to get some guys off the field this year. And OU went through them very easily. Average 10 yards per play.
0: Yeah, my big takeaway also is uh, the offense is very good. At times it seemed like running the ball was not as easy as I thought it would be against Texas Tech defense on Saturday. A lot of yards through the air. I like how Jalen Hurts is not afraid to take shots, push the ball down the field, because how many times are you watching college football and you see these teams, even in the top 10 or top 25, maybe not necessarily the top 10, I mean, maybe Auburn fits the bill, even though I know they, they rolled Mississippi State, who, by the way, Mississippi State might be dog crap and... Uh, maybe Kansas State's not as good as maybe we were making out to be because they uh, they couldn't really do much against Oklahoma State, but that's a sidebar. Uh, I like how Oklahoma, the offense, especially Jalen Hurts, you mentioned he looks like a different player. He takes shots. He throws the ball down the field. They like to, to stretch it. And you see so many teams, it seems like, bad offenses. You know, I think of Michigan State. I didn't get to see any of the Wisconsin game, but I saw that their offense was pretty bad against Northwestern. I mean, I can't imagine any of these teams are stretching the field. You know, when Mich- Michigan – I didn't see their game from Saturday, but I saw the Army game. I saw the Wisconsin game. They can't stretch the field. They can't take shots. They can't really threaten opposing defenses. Oklahoma does that, and that's why it's such an explosive, awesome offense. So I like that that part of it. Defensively, I like the fact that Oklahoma was able to hold a team to a bunch of field goals. Texas Tech was successful in the red zone. I believe the Red Raiders were 4 for 4 in the red zone. And I think a, a big thing last year for Oklahoma's defense was – once once a team got in the red zone, Oklahoma could not prevent points. But it was mostly always touchdowns. At least on Saturday, it was only one touchdown for Texas Tech and they forced three field goals in the red zone. So you force teams to get 3 instead of 7. That was awesome and then also to something that we can I'm sure you'll want to expand on or at least touch on a little bit later in the show. I'll bring it up right now. Oklahoma's defense, no garbage time points grant, no fourth quarter points including a takeaway in the fourth quarter. And that's when Texas Tech still had its starters on the field. It's not like Texas Tech pulled its starters. Meanwhile, Oklahoma offensively took out Jalen Hurts late third quarter. And as we know, defensively, Oklahoma was rotating a lot of players in throughout the game. So there was a lot of twos and threes in the game in the fourth quarter. And Oklahoma didn't allow any points. So that is my big takeaway when it comes to the defense. That's two straight games with no garbage touchdowns, and that's awesome, and of course,
1: I'm really glad that you brought up last year, because last year, the red zone defense, like, you know, like the unit was over the entire field, was atrocious, and I mean, I I don't even know what the numbers were, but you're right, they couldn't even hold hold guys to field goals last year, it was, yeah, they're gonna score a touchdown when they get into the red zone, and it's nice, it it was very nice to see um, that not happen on Saturday, and of course, I think the the play that everyone is is talking about that was that is maybe a sign that that this defense has maybe turned the corner just a little bit was when was when D T Y chased down the the runner on the sideline and got him at the two yard line, and then the defense bowed its neck two straight tackles for loss and they got off the field on third down, which they're doing a lot this season. They've been elite getting off the field on third down, and that's huge. That is huge.
0: I believe I retweeted Mike Houck, Oklahoma's SID, Saturday night. I'm pulling it up right now. So Oklahoma came into the game, ranked 7th in the nation on third down, just allowing 24.7% of their opponents to convert third down. And Oklahoma held – excuse me – OU held Tech to 1 of 14. So they improved the ranking. And after this week, I wouldn't be surprised – I mean, Oklahoma's going to be a – heck, I mean – probably a top five team nationally opponent third down percentage, maybe even top three. I don't know. I mean, like one of 14 is incredibly awesome. That's, that's amazing. So, and
1: that's, I mean, that's one of those things. If they, if they keep that up over the course of the season, if this is not a fluke and, and I'm sure it's, you know, bigger sample size will probably be a bigger number later in the season. But if they continue to play like this on third down, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. You can go ahead and just pencil them in for the postseason If that's the case. And I know it's getting pretty far ahead of yourselves, but when you're elite on third down like that, it's, I mean, how do you sustain drives? You can't, obviously. And with that offense, that product that they're putting on the field, I mean, you saw it on Saturday. It was, Texas Tech went three and out twice and the game
0: was over. Game was completely over at that point in time. And they went three and out a third time whenever Tech brought in Jet Duffy for the first time and, and that first oh, it right. didn't go yep. well for him. I keep using the word mirage. I feel like I need to find a new word, but he was asked by Jason Kersey of The Athletic if Oklahoma was trying to potentially send a message to the rest of the Big 12 in this game, because obviously this was Oklahoma's Big 12 opener. And I thought Kenneth Murray had a really, really good sound bite. We'll play it through right now.
1: And I think that's really the main thing that I harped on coming into this game is just making a statement to the whole league um, that, um, you know, we're not here to be played with. Um, this is not a fluke. Um, you know, we put in the work um every week um throughout the week and we've been doing this for a long time so um you know this defense is brand of football that that we that we play now um it's Oklahoma defense
0: so big words from Kenneth Murray i mean he's in a way calling a shot there grant saying hey yeah uh, they probably know inside those walls that uh the competition has not been great but you could never bl- accuse Kenneth Murray for lacking confidence ever while he's been in Oklahoma and he's certainly a confident player right now. That entire defense is, and when it comes to the word confidence, it seems like Alex Grinch has asked about that at least once a week, and he always says that confidence is earned on the field. And so far, through four games, I think it's fair to say that Oklahoma has earned some confidence out there because that's back-to-back games now, Grant, where they've held opponents, and granted, it's UCLA and Texas Tech, two offenses that aren't that great, but they've held them under, uh, under five yards per play. And to only 14 points UCLA and 16 points Texas Tech, I mean, the way the defense has been recently, I mean, that's great. That's fantastic. So I'll stop talking and let you touch on what Kenneth Murray said or anything else. I think there's
1: obvious improvement. And I know we said the same thing around this time of the year last year, uh, but this time, I mean, it's you have to notice ob- some obvious improvement just in terms of the amount of guys they're getting on the field. The corners have been, I mean, really good to great. The front seven is very active and they're they're very disruptive as well. Neville Gallimore had another really good game. Uh, Kenneth Murray, I thought, had his best game uh, since the Houston opener. Yeah, I mean, I'm they, they have built confidence and they have earned it up to this point in time. Of course, there is still that voice in the back of my head that says, Let's wait until they play Texas to see what happens, you know, because they still haven't played a team that can execute a good drop back passing game. And that's something that Texas does very well. So um, we will see when they play the Longhorns in a couple weeks. But um, hopefully this upcoming week now against Kansas, it's just
0: another opportunity to build more confidence. And I think that's something they're going to be able to do. We keep kind of setting measuring stick points for this defense. couple weeks ago it was okay first road uh, first road test at ucla compared to 2018 because oklahoma went on the road for the first time and started showing some cracks against iowa state and then that went pretty well and so we kind of thought you know maybe the the next measuring stick should be first big 12 game which just happened this past saturday and oklahoma's defense once again passed that with flying colors i would say holding texas tech to only 16 points and under its season average in yards per play so now they keep passing these tests, I suppose. Yeah, you're exactly right. Now you got to go first road, Big 12 game. And I know it's Kansas, but this is going to be interesting, Grant, going in. Uh, just I'll throw this out there right now. We won't get into Kansas now because we have plenty of time to talk about them. The fact that Oklahoma's defense gave up 40 to Kansas last year, you know that unit is going to want to shut Kansas down Saturday in Lawrence. Uh, and then, obviously, there's Texas after that. So let's, you know, let's continue talking about the defense. I want to start, well, not start, move on to, how about Texas Tech? Just want to throw this out there. What was Matt Wells thinking starting Jackson Tyner in that game? I was shocked when I saw him jog out on the field to take the first, first series, let alone the first two series of that game, Grant. No idea. No idea.
1: Jet Duffy was clearly a much better option, and that played out over the course of the game. So, I mean, and I'm sure it's a pretty simple explanation. Tyner probably had a better week of practice than Duffy, sure. you would think, right? Yeah, um, that's that's got to be really the only explanation. But yeah, I mean, the offense, Texas Tech's offense looked a lot better with Duffy in there because he added that extra element with his legs. Duffy's a good runner. He's pretty good at setting up blocks and whatnot when he's on when he's in the open field. Um, but he didn't have a much he didn't have a lot of room to operate. And that's to the credit of the OU defense. I ran
0: into a couple of Texas Tech, uh, I should say. A couple of reporters in from Lubbock that were covering the game. And so obviously they had covered Texas tech. And I just, I asked one of them, Hey, I mean, what was the, the thought process? Like what's your theories behind Tyner starting? And the guy I was talking to said, ah, it, he thinks that Tyner his actually his experience, I guess, with that offense. And he said that Duffy was still kind of learning the offense. So I kind of thought that was a weird explanation for that because I know that you know Duffy's not the best thrower of the football, but they both been in Matt Wells' assistant the same amount of time, so uh, so that was kind of surprising. And I did get the feeling that uh, some of the Lubbock reporters that cover Tech, they kind of thought that the game would have been a little different for Texas Tech's offense if Alan Bowman would have been able to play. And you know, on this podcast, you and me, I I just I don't see it. I I don't think it would have been that big of a difference. In fact, I think if Bowman would have been able to play, they would have called more, you know, three, five, seven drop passes and that would have given Oklahoma's defensive line, as I talked about a little bit in the take, more of a chance to kind of tee off on him because Bowman's mostly immobile. I don't know if Bowman playing would have mattered that much. What do you think?
1: I'm sure it would have mattered a little bit, but yeah, I I,
0: I sort yeah, of that's that's true. That's true. It would have I, I, I a share
1: bit. your I share your opinion about that certainly would have made it a lot tougher to protect the quarterback because I mean this has actually been a, a very consistent theme amongst OU's first four opponents. They're calling plays to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Bang, bang. And I think that has a lot to do with OU's defensive front. They're, just, they're so disruptive. They get upfield really quickly. And uh, I'm, I'm really curious to, you know, to see what happens when they play a team that's a little more deliberate in the drop-back passing game. Texas, maybe a little. I know they do, they do throw a lot of quick hitters and whatnot. Um, but I think going forward, that's going to be part of pretty much everyone's game plan. They know they don't, have a, they don't have a million years back there in the pocket against OU's
0: front. They've just been too good. All right, you mentioned Kenneth Murray. It seemed like he played his best game in a while, maybe the best game since Houston. He led the team with nine tackles, had that really nice sack early in the game. I think that was Jet Duffy's first series. That was the, uh, the third straight three and out. It's always nice seeing him flying around playing, uh, playing fast football. And when it comes to you know playing fast football and speed, Lincoln Riley had a, had a quote Saturday after the game. That stood out to me and, and when it comes to Lincoln Riley talking that's kind of a bit now in this podcast he did not say a whole lot you know he talks for a, a while but doesn't say a whole lot because he's got coach speak down uh, obviously very respectful he'll answer questions he'll go into detail he he takes everybody's questions seriously he's just he, he's very good at it but when you get done with Lincoln Riley's press conferences you think did he say anything really worth note but there's one thing that I really enjoyed him him uh saying on Saturday and it's in relation to Oklahoma's defense just being at full speed and playing that speed D and getting a lot of guys in. So here's what Lincoln Riley had to say. Playing fast on defense is not just what we say or way we train, this and that. It's also decisions like that to play a bunch of guys. And uh, so in our mind, there's never an excuse uh, for a defensive player to not be full freaking speed. I mean, it's got to be that way. And there is, and if they're not, then somebody else is going in because we got other people and we're not scared to put them in the game no matter what the scenario is. And our players know that. Grant, full Freaking speed! That uh that perked my ears up a little bit. He's pretty serious about this, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, they are
1: they very clearly they have very clear goals within within that program right now, and I think they very much understand the level that they need to get to to win a national championship. They absolutely understand the last handful of years, or the last you know three of the last four years when they've been in the playoffs, that Alabama and Clemson and teams of those like. Are on a different level right now, and they understand where they need to get. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 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 one of the more underrated reasons why bringing in Jalen Hurts is increasingly looking more like a genius move because he's the, he's a guy who has just been preaching that the entire time, um, whether or not it's with the rat poison or with you know in the in the post game press conferences he always keeps saying we just need to get better, we need to get better. Um, that's that attitude, and that's where it comes from. So, and I I'd be lying if I didn't say that. At this point in time, I mean, this team seems to have sort of a special kind of charm to them. And um, I, I'm hoping that, in terms of mentality, they get it. And so I, I'm hoping that continues. And college football is very volatile. It's a long season. So much weird things can happen and can still happen that that could completely derail any of that. But right now, this this team looks pretty darn good man and they're getting better every single week too that's the mark of a really good team and if that's the case if that progression continues over the course of the year just think where they'll be in November it's kind of fun to think about
0: yes yes it is and I agree they are getting better and they do seem to have a mental edge to them I mean coming off the bye week you always kind of sometimes you see those teams that come out kind of flat off a bye week because it's been a while since their first game and you always kind of think and maybe you're the same way as me i think man teams should always be super pumped to be out there after the bye week because they haven't played in so long and they should just fly around and be even better and it seems like sometimes you see teams come out and they're flat off the bye week and maybe they didn't handle the business and for oklahoma i mean the opposite of flat i mean came out again three straight three and outs on defense Three straight scoring drives. Uh, I I believe Oklahoma scored even more than that in the first half as far as uh, scoring drives go. I bring it up right now. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal. So Oklahoma scored on every single possession in the first half, which is phenomenal. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's a cliche, but it does look like this Oklahoma football team is on a mission, and it's one game at a time, but they know that the goal – is not just the playoff. I mean, Lincoln Riley's been there now back-to-back years. A lot of these guys have been there back-to-back years. It's first to win a playoff game, because they haven't, had, uh, haven't done that yet, then obviously to win a national title. When it comes to Jalen Hurts, man, I still think, and this isn't shocking or breaking any news, but this guy's goal, yeah, he's a big team guy. It's all about the team. But personally, he'll never say it, but he wants to see Alabama he wants to see Alabama and he wants to knock off Alabama there's no doubt about that and then obviously win a national title and it's it's kind of fun to go along with his ride right now and we're four games in and i agree this team looks really really good and they're fun yeah More defensive i mean this stuff okay oh, yeah, yeah go ahead and, and
1: i and i would really i'm going to try not to get too excited about all this stuff but you know showing up and winning 55 to 16 is not it's not normal that's not Easily something that most the college spread. teams do and
0: Easily, yeah i mean that was uh, easily exceeding expectations because that's what the line is it's expectations and oklahoma easily exceeded it
1: yeah like the way that they jumped on texas tech and basically ended that game in the first quarter that was like 2008-esque and that team like i've said i think that was the best team that bob stoops ever had um i mean that's some pretty dominant stuff and it's not normal so i i mean it's it's exciting me a little bit for sure
0: speaking of that 08 team they did a little flashback during the game when I was on the field to that '08 game against Tech, the old jump around game. Grant, I gotta say, I got some chills watching the highlights and seeing it again because we were both there. That was still to this day the the most fun and the the best atmosphere at a sporting event I've ever been to.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the that's one of the best days of my life, to be honest with you. In that terms was, of yeah,
0: that was a fun day. Yeah. So uh all right anyways that was a sidebar. let's keep talking about the defense just a couple other points I want to get across Jaden Davis Grant once again he's flashing had a really nice tackle for loss blew up a reverse and I mean he I was looking at uh pro football focus grades for him prior to Saturday's game and he was he's been consistently near the top of the defensive backs I mean his grades grading out incredibly well not just the defensive backs but the top of the defense I mean his he's playing really well he's good man and they're obviously going to get him more and more snaps in there uh unfortunately I haven't been able to go back and do a full rewatch of this game yet but I just I he stood out to me so much that I I wanted to bring it up and and see if you had any thoughts on Davis's game as well
1: yeah I noticed him again I mean he looks in a good way uh, yeah in a very good way he was he was great and so let's I, I just hope I just hope he keeps it going and so he's gonna have he's gonna have another opportunity like we like we said with everyone else to build confidence next week against Kansas. I'm sure he's gonna get plenty of run again. Um, another thing I do want to point out that's just that's outstanding for this game, Lee. TJ Vasher, one catch, two yards, and it was like it, I think it was on the first or the second series of the game. Shut yeah. out otherwise. Almost that's had a awesome. touchdown
0: catch. I think it was a, was it Pat Fields who ended up getting the pass breakup in the end zone because it was initially called a touchdown, but yep, upon yep. review. So, nice job by Fields not giving up on that play and getting the ball out. I still think, too, not that it matters, but I think his foot might have been out of bounds anyways when he was coming down. Did you catch that as well, or is that just me? So, I, I think it might oh, have been I incomplete in two different ways.
1: I wasn't necessarily... I, I thought his foot was down, but I, I mean, okay. I thought they made the right call because he didn't
0: survive the ground. Right, right. Uh, I saw Trey Brown had at least one pass breakup early in the game. Uh, the, the pass defense... The press type coverage is really working well, man. I mean, it's they're not giving up anything on the outside. It seems like whenever they do give up yards in the passing game, it's on quick kind of screens out into the slot, kind of where there's that open space where the safeties are kind of putting that conflict position where they got to decide to come up and and uh, and play one on one, and that's tough. So we're still going to see problems with that. And speaking of the safeties, let's move on to Trajan Bridges, Grant and he was working out with the defense pregame. He was with the safeties and the nickels and the corners and things like that. Whenever it was team defense pregame, kind of when they do a little bit of a walkthrough, I kind of thought he was playing nickel, but I didn't want to make any, any official uh, you know reports. And it was, it, it was right. So when he came out there in the third quarter, we saw him and Trajan bridges is at nickel. We both thought he was at one of the safety spots. I had no clue that it was actually going to be nickel. And, uh, Again, haven't gone back and rewatched this from a top level view. Just saw and feel. I know he got flagged for a couple penalties, so his debut on defense probably going to be remembered for a couple penalties. Did you notice him, or did you see anything on TV from Bridges when he came out there in the second half? Well, I noticed him
1: just in the sense that when he was out there, I was just I was specifically watching him. So, I mean, he looks like a receiver who's learning how to play defensive back at the college level. <laughs> There you go. But other than that, I mean he looks active. He looks ready and willing to go in and, you know, you know, put his head in and tackles and whatnot. So we'll see. I, I don't I don't think we got any sort of sense of how he's gonna do back there definitively at all from this game. It's the first time he's played that position at the college level. So um but no, I mean he wasn't if if he was just thrown out there and we didn't know anything about him, we would probably think, eh, he didn't look great.
0: <laughs> yes. The positives though is that now I don't know how many series he played, how many snaps he played. I guess we can go back and we can count if we really want to. But now there's something on film for him to watch and for the defensive coaches and Alex Grinch to go through and talk with him and show him, hey, here, here's this. They're going to get him on the field, you'd think, next week against Kansas as well, maybe even more snaps. And kind of the scenario that I was kind of hoping would happen is seemingly through one game playing out, Grant, where I'm thinking you got Texas Tech, you got Kansas, they can kind of get him out there, get some snaps, maybe get him comfortable, and then see if he's going to be good enough to maybe – contribute against texas and i gotta give you some credit grant you're making a joke on the last podcast but it seems like you you might have been right about you know lincoln riley coming out wednesday and saying yeah this is more of a uh, a story in the media and the public than it is within these walls and then boom on game day you see bridges with the defense and then in the third quarter you see bridges playing defense it does seem like this is a thing that they're wanting to make happen and uh, i think it's kind of funny that uh, Lincoln Riley was kind of downplaying it but it would seem that yeah I mean again this is happening so he does it for gamemanship that's why he yeah. does it um <laughs> and I I finally
1: it finally clicked of the other instance where he mentioned the that's you know it's it's a bigger deal outside these walls it was it was during the Jalen Redmond stuff during the summer when everyone was asking about Jalen Redmond and he did the exact same thing he kind of he was coy about everything and what do you know? Jalen Redmond is a huge piece of the defense, and he leads the team in sacks. Of
0: course, you know, I'll take your word for it. I'm not sure if that was it though, because on the uh, on SoundCloud, because we're available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. I'll give credit to a listener on on uh, SoundCloud because they can leave comments on uh, on the SoundCloud website, and I noticed a a listener put a comment in, and he thinks or she, I'm not sure if it was, it doesn't matter, uh, that that part, they, it was back when Austin Kendall was transferring and that whole ordeal.
1: That's or, also possible, too. That crossed my mind. I
0: can't remember if he said it was Austin Kendall transferring or if it was Austin Kendall and the, the quarterback competition with Kyler Murray, but that was so long ago, it probably wasn't that. So that's just another thing, another one that could have been. I mean, that's certainly one of the lines that Lincoln Riley likes to use. Let's see. I have one more bit on defense I want to get to real quick and one takeaway grant in the game. So Alex Grinch always wants minimum two takeaways, always wants more. They got one freaking
1: awesome play by Gallimore.
0: Exactly. Neville Gallimore, a hustle play, pressured Duffy, didn't get the sack, got blocked, didn't give up on the play, chased him down from behind, makes a big hit, forces the fumble, and... Again, a great play by Neville Gallimore, shows the effort. It kind of goes along with DTY's chase down tackle that uh, Oklahoma was able to hold Tech to a field goal uh, also in the game. And so Alex Grinch afterwards talked about effort and another one of those coach sound bites that kind of perked my ears up a little bit. And I love this from Alex Grinch. It's kind of long, but you all here love Oklahoma football, listen to this podcast, and I'm going to guess that you love hearing from Alex Grinch. So take a listen to this. It was really fun. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. So if I'm going to stand up in front of them, number one, and then number two, obviously in front of you all, and say we're it's an effort-based defense, it's all about effort, and all of a sudden on Saturdays it, it's a uh, uh, it's an option whether or not we give it, then again it, it uh, uh, is a direct correlation or direct reflection of our inability to, to get it out of our guys. And so it's just a constant demand. It, our Monday practice this uh, doesn't look a whole lot different than a Saturday game. I mean, it, it's we don't we don't take uh, in any uh, uh, you know that steps back in terms of tempo and those things, and so that's just something that again you're you're one play away from being that 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 average effort group. Um, so it's not as if you get that that's the, something you check the box, it's fixed. Um, so it's something that, that's obviously ongoing, but that, that that that's what it comes down to is just a constant demand. <laughs> so <laughs> I just. Man, he says all the things that we want to hear from the defensive coordinator, doesn't he? And he's getting results, which talk is is cheap. We all know that. We've heard a lot of talk the last three, four years. Uh, Alex Grinch's talk is great. And so far through four games, again, qualifier, not great competition, but this defense looks great. Uh, What are your thoughts on on that soundbite from Alex Grinch?
1: Yeah, I love the guy. I really (laughs) like Alex Grinch. He's awesome. I hope he continues to do a good job. I mean, I just, I, whatever he's doing, he, he clearly has, he clearly has found something that is at least working a little bit. And so just keep working hard and let, keep improving. I, I don't, you know, do you have anything bad to say about the defense on Saturday? I mean, they because I mean, I do, I, I do a little bit,
0: but. Yeah, I mean, more individually, and it's kind of obvious. Everyone could see it with their eyes. It's just, it has been more evident than, than, uh, it's never been more evident, Grant, that, that Brendan Radley-Hiles, the guy just, he cannot tackle. And, I mean, that's, I didn't know that, again, Bridges was working out at nickel. I mean, they're trying to find a, a different a different answer at nickel because when it comes to playing better teams that have better offense, I mean, you need a nickel that can tackle. And he goes high, even when he goes, he just has a, he struggles because of his size to bring people down. So I, I think it's interesting that you know, we did these preseason podcasts and we kind of gave our predictions. And I think one of the categories we did was which presumed starter on both sides of the ball could potentially get his spot taken. And I think, I can't remember if you did, but I know, I think I, I said Brendan Radley Hiles just because uh, granted, I think I said maybe Jeremiah Cradell would come up and that hasn't, hasn't come to fruition. So I was, I whiffed on that, but it, it looks like they're trying to find a different person to play that nickel right now. And, uh, he's he's got to improve his tackling. So that's kind of the one one negative that I noticed. And I hate to to single out Bradley Howes, but again, it's I, everyone can see it, and it's been a problem, and it's got to get cleaned up. So what about you?
1: And it's obvious. I mean, that's obviously what they're trying to do by by getting Robert Barnes some time there and Bridges. At, they're they're trying to improve tackling at that position, so they can get bigger guys into the box to help with the run game. I mean, that's that's obviously their what what they're trying to do here. And I mean, yeah, Buki this season, he has been when he's when he's been asked to cover a guy, he's been pretty darn good. Um, But man, when he's got to make an open field strength, we've always said
0: that's his strength, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But when he's got to make an open field tackle, uh, he's he's been a liability. I'm not sure if there's really any other way to to say it other than that. And and, you know, over the course of the season, not as much yesterday, but the safeties have been a liability as well there, too. So, you know, not just a single him out. But, yes. Um, yes.
0: But they're still they they're not rotating really that much at safety. I saw Justin Broyles got some time back there, but uh, I guess you mentioned Robert Barnes got some playing time early in the game, but but that was kinda of, and then kind of late, you know, fourth quarter or so. Again, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it that closely, but yeah, I mean, they're 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 doing what they can. They're trying to get that competition back in the in the back end.
1: And I don't think like I don't think Buki is gonna. I don't think he's going to like disappear over the course of the year. He's been covering too well for that to happen. Um but yeah, I mean they they definitely need another option there so they can get more size in the box because they're going to be playing some teams where that's going to be an issue for sure, and Texas is one of them. All right, Grant, uh anything else in the defense before we go to the offense? No, I mean, I just thought if you if you want to be nitpicky, of course, I mean, you can be a little concerned with how you know how easily sometimes Tech beat OU to the edge. You know that would be the one yeah. thing the the big long run that that DTY saved. I mean that should have been that was a blatant hold uh, that wasn't called. So you know I'm I'm not too upset about that one. But yeah, I mean there were some there were some instances like on the jet sweep uh, where it was a little concerning how how easily Tech was able to beat them to the corner. Um, but sometimes on that on on that end you just got to tip your cap to Tech. They got some good offensive players. And uh, also Jet Duffy can run as well. And uh, but for as many as many bad plays that there were, there were many more good
0: plays. All right, let's go to the offense. And I think it was C.D. Lamb's day, Grant. He was great. He was fantastic. And uh, he only had, what, one catch in that touchdown against UCLA. And it's an offense where they spread the ball around a lot. There's so much talent. But it was a game where I don't know if they were specifically trying to do that with C.D. Lamb. But, man, it. He was great. It's just a reminder again of how explosive and how much of a, how much he's improved since his freshman year, a year when he was really good and the, probably the best receiver on the team back then, uh, him and him and Marquise Brown. So CD lamb, just, it was fun to watch him break out. I mean, his third touchdown, he just shrugged off a tackler and just waltzed his way to the end zone. So I just would be remiss if we didn't once again, bring up CD lamb and congratulate him for a really good game and, and, uh, Good luck to you in the NFL, CD, and you're going to be really good. <laughs> what you
1: just kind of right shrug- shrugging off those DBs like it's no big deal and taking it to the house. Kind of for yeah. the first time in a while, I feel like showing off how strong he is. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's, got, he's got a big, nice, long frame for that position, and he's a good player, man. God, he's, he's so easy to
0: root for. He's such a good guy. I mean, he, he's really improved. I think I may have mentioned this a month ago or something like that, but he's really improved his game in it and the interview settings he's very thoughtful uh before i i mean not that he wasn't before but he expands a little more in his answers he so he's he's improved off the field as well and it's almost like he's he's getting ready for the big time i mean he's gonna he's he gets questions all the time he's always in the media room and so he's again he's a a really easy guy to root for and uh it's just it's it's another situation where it's like glad that guy's on the team that that we cover and we like to watch
1: the guy i mean he's He's a junior in college right now, but and, and I, I felt the same way about this, you know, about like someone like Sterling Shepard by the time he was a senior. But CD, he's a pro, he's a professional right now. He yes. understands the game, he works on his craft, and he's just, he's just better than everyone else. Guy's really <laughs> freaking
0: good. <laughs> uh, how about the offensive line, Grant? There were some shakeups there. Uh, Adrian Ely was out, he was in street clothes. I saw him out there. So Bray Walker. Got the start at right guard Tyrese Robinson over to right tackle. And uh, then there is Swinson and Hayes on the left side as well. So uh, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this, but it's worth mentioning that uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, actually, Lincoln Riley did address Ely's situation in the postgame. He said it was, I believe, a week-to-week thing. Let me pull up the log real quick here. Yes, Adrian Ely is a week-to-week thing right now. Doesn't look to be long-term. Uh, Riley did confirm, though, it is an injury. So that's not great, but it's good to hear Lincoln Riley say that he doesn't anticipate it being long-term. Uh your thoughts on the offensive line and the kind of the uh, the the mix-up or uh, shift. I don't know what you want to call it, but the offensive line to me it, again seemed like it was good. Yeah, they played well. They played well. And of
1: course we're judging them relative to to previous offensive lines here as well, so um, it, it definitely sucks that there's an injury right here, especially because this is kind of right around the time when when Bow works his magic and he finally figures out the rotation he likes and the group that he likes. Um, so I, I definitely don't love that that there's an injury there to maybe throw a wrench in that whole progression as, as you know, over the course of the year. But I got to think if it is an injury. Uh, this is the perfect week to just kind of roll out the same offensive line that you did this past week. Give ely another another breather, another rest before Texas. Um, cause I mean, we're not gonna unless something leaks or some of those pay sites can you know can shed some light on it, We're not gonna find out what the injury is from the coaching staff. So no um, no no, all all I don't uh, you know, other than, like you said, some glitches in the run game where they got you know where they got stuffed a few times. I thought the offensive line was really good. I thought Bray Walker looked pretty good out there. I didn't see anything bad that he did. Um, it was definitely interesting that they decided to kick over Tyrese Robinson, that that was the decision that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have figured in that instance, you know, it would have been like an R.J. Proctor yeah. of some sort. But it yeah. but it seems like he's, you know, he's
0: just a left tackle now, it looks like. Also, too, just a, one more note on the offensive line. And this is I'm curious to get your thoughts on this development. But once again – we see Ian McIver playing a lot of snaps at uh, at center. I think he came in. I don't know if Creed Humphrey played in the second half. So I, I, Creed's fine. He's playing. I can't imagine he's injured or anything like that. But I, this is interesting to me because they clearly are trying to develop that depth at center, and they're getting Ian McIver a bunch of snaps at center. So I, do you have any uh, theories as to – aside from they're obviously just trying to get him reps out there? I mean – they're obviously comfortable with him, too, because they're running. he's running with the ones when Creed's out. Uh, is this one of those things where the offense and Lincoln Riley is buying into a lot of Alex Grinch's theories of, like, let's play as many guys as possible, keep people fresh? And, I mean, over time, Creed Humphrey not playing as many snaps really is actually a good thing because as the season gets longer and longer, he's going to be even more fresh in the middle of that offensive line. I So uh, what are your thoughts on Ian McIver playing as much as he's been playing?
1: Man, it'd be how valuable would McIver be if he's if he's in the same mold as like an Eric Wren as a walk-on at center? Mm-hmm. That'd be really valuable. Um, just because I think everyone identified Creed Humphrey as the one guy that they couldn't lose in the preseason. And um, Absolutely.
0: I think I'd and, call him maybe the aside from Hurts like the most valuable player on offense.
1: Yeah, and I and I think obviously the coaching staff feels very similarly and yeah, I think this is an obvious, you know, play at at building depth. And that's a good thing, you know. So I, yeah, I, I noticed when McIver was in there, and he looked, he looked fine. So, right. um, okay. I, I, don't know if there's much to you know take from it other than that. But yeah, it's, it's a very obvious play to build depth.
0: Jalen Hurts throws his first interception of the year on a tip ball. I believe it was intended for Nick Basquin, and then at the end of the play, uh, Kennedy Brooks was taken out. And uh, fortunately, it sounds like he's fine. They didn't bring him back into the game. It was just precautionary. That's what Lincoln Riley said afterwards. And it sounds like uh, Lincoln Riley mentioned that Matt Wells, the Texas coach, was classy about it and you know, apologized for it. And I think I saw on Twitter late Saturday that the player that made the hit, I think, even came out and tweeted something out apologizing to Kennedy Brooks. So it sounds like this whole situation has been handled with class from every single uh, side. And I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Kennedy Brooks sounds like he's fine, so nothing wrong with him. But, yeah, that was a, a bit of a scary play because it didn't look good. Uh, It looked like because he was kind of down and grabbing his legs and things like that. And it was it was a pretty weak hit, I got to say. And it sounds like that player again, he came out and he realized, yeah, that my bad. Like, sorry about that. So overall situation that happened, it's been handled well, I think, from all parties and uh, just good that Kennedy Brooks is not hurt. Uh, What do you think about this situation? I mean, I got to tell you, when I when I saw it happen,
1: I was pretty upset. I mean, a very blatantly dirty hit. So I, I don't I don't think that necessarily means the guy was, you know, intentionally trying to injure Kennedy Brooks. Uh, but it's I mean, that's a hit. The guy needs to completely remove from his game. It's completely dirty. And that needs to that needs to be just removed from the game entirely. So, I, yeah, I was I was really upset when that happened, because um, when I first saw it, Kennedy Brooks grabbed his knee instantly. I thought his season was over. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it just it, it would have really sucked if I mean, thank God he's all right. But it really would have sucked if his season would have ended on on such a dirty play like that. That would have just really, really sucked.
0: We'll see if he gets treatment, and we'll see how much he plays against Kansas. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a game, or maybe they hold him back. I mean, Lincoln Riley said he's fine, but that could still mean maybe he's got some soreness, or you know, it's it's still kind of there's something there that they that he needs maybe a little bit of extra rest to to fully recover from. So we'll see what his role is next Saturday against the Jayhawks. And speaking of running backs, Trey Sermon, smooth touchdown run. I mean, very few carries. It's, they spread the ball around quite a bit, but Trey Sermon keeps doing Trey Sermon things, Grant. And then also Ramondre Stevenson comes in late, has that nice touchdown run. Man, he's smooth. Ramondre Stevenson is a smooth cat. And uh, a, a very, very nice third option that they've developed with him, especially with TJ Pledger still out.
1: Yeah, his um that cut to the right that he made on his touchdown run was beautiful. <laughs> I mean and it was seamless. It was very smooth. And so I think he's still kind of trying to figure out the dynamics of the offensive line and the uh, and the blocking the blocking structures and the angles required to kind of, you know, break off big runs. But man, when he's in
0: the open field, god, he's really good. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. and i don't know if i mentioned this on the last podcast leading up to the game but Ramondre stevenson talked on uh, i believe tuesday night and he was just a really likable guy real fine he has a juco transfer it's the first time that he's been available as far as i can remember to the media and uh remember in preseason, i was talking to trey sermon and trey sermon mentioned that he thought that stevenson his gate his running style kind of reminded him of jamal charles and uh he was asked about that because uh, just to get his thoughts on that, and Stevenson was like, "Oh well, I mean, yeah, maybe, but without the speed," and he kind of laughed. So like he was kind of self deprecating. Uh, I, I will say though, Stevenson's got some speed though. It's not like he's a a plotter back there. I mean, he's got. I mean, he showed his breakaway speed against South Dakota, uh, and he really does. I mean, the way he runs his style, he does look like Jamal Charles. He really does. It is yeah. crazy. Yeah, that so, uh, that touchdown
1: yeah. run was Jamal Charles esque. It really did look like him.
0: It's just a bigger version, obviously, because Jamal Charles wasn't. You know, yeah, and that's not to say pounds. that
1: Ramondre Stevenson is
0: Jamal Charles.
1: No, just, it no, it just looked Nobody's like it. Is all, that.
0: yeah. Just aesthetically, just the way his his stride and his gait. It just, yeah, it's weird. Let's see anything else on the offense. I, we saw Tanner Mordecai. We saw Spencer Rattler, Grant, and. I believe Mordecai played three series, and Rattler, I think, got two. And I the offense didn't go anywhere and literally went backwards when Mordecai came in. I remember looking up at the scoreboard. I think Oklahoma had like 596 total yards when Mordecai got his first series. And I, I think they were at like 592 when he came out. So I don't think they, they technically gained any yards. And then Rattler came in, and right away they hit a, hit a pass to Ramondre Stevenson, uh, they moved the ball a little bit. I mean, he he didn't move the ball that well either. But it's just, it's pretty clear, Grant, that I think Rattler, even though he's newer than Mordecai, he seems to have a better grasp of this offense, and he's able to to make quicker decisions and eliminate quicker. And I, I think they were both going up against the same types of defensive players. It's not like I, I don't think Tech had really pulled out their starters, or if, if they did, maybe it was you know a couple twos here and there. But I think they both played against starting defenders when they were out there. And I just, just wanted to point out that it looks like Rattler is, is potentially going to be a special player, and Mordecai still, still is kind of working through some things.
1: That throw that Rattler made to Hazelwood down the field, just dropped it in the bucket, that was a really good throw. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think when, when you're watching Mordecai, it just kind of – he looks really skittish, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he just – he, so, he doesn't eliminate. He's not getting rid of the football. And so, yeah,
1: you, you do hate to, you know, to come to any sort of declarations after, I mean, what? Tanner Mordecai has played like 10 series this year, probably even less than that.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. I mean, he's getting some reps, though. I mean, Lincoln Ryan was trying to get him out there, and uh, I mean, that's a good thing, obviously. I mean, heck, I mean, they brought him in late third quarter. <laughs>
1: but yeah, a- I mean, I think, I, I think Spencer Rattler has looked better than Mordecai up to this point, but... I don't know if it's fair to Mordecai to pile on quite yet just because, you know, he is he's playing with the twos and whatnot, but Rattler's playing with the same guys and, and commands the offense a little better. You know, that's what it looks mm-hmm. like right now.
0: Just pointing it out. Just pointing it out. We'll be remiss not to bring it up. Uh, let's do special teams real quick. I mentioned going into the game that I was kind of curious to see what the kicking duties would be like since Callum Sutherland was arrested during the bye week. And, well, it was Gabe Berkich handling all the kicking duties. And he was 2-for-2, two two. hit a couple field goals, made all of his extra points, looked very good. And I'm sure, you know, I shouldn't say I'm sure, I didn't see Callum Sutherland out there. Uh, I think I saw Eddie Radosovich from Sooner Group tweet something about how in pregame he he didn't see Sutherland out there. So if I'm wrong about that, I apologize, Eddie, if I'm misquoting you. But uh, interesting to see if it's Burkitts now moving forward. I wonder if Sutherland lost his job because of uh, a bad off-the-field decision potentially. So... Uh, just worth pointing out that Burkhage looked good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I he he made field goals, so I mean, I'm yeah, I it is good. So okay. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a lot to
0: say until That's fine. I just you know. wanted to point it out. All right, three word reviews, and uh, I have mine. Grant, do you have a three word review? I
1: don't know. I'm so terrible at these. I like to steal other people. So keep them All coming, right. guys.
0: All right. Well, uh, my three word review from this game is lamb chops tech. And I'm pretty proud of that one. Very punny. Well done. uh, I think maybe the Norman transcript or the Oklahoma might have had a similar headline. And I promise you, I I didn't see that before I came up with mine. So that's just a pure coincidence. It's kind of, I mean, it's not that surprising. The Lamb had a huge game, and it it makes sense. So that's my three-word review. Unfortunately, we didn't get as many three-word reviews as the last time we did this. I put it on Twitter way late, so maybe I... I, I got to get up on Twitter you know, when the game ends and people are still kind of the juices are flowing the game ends and they want to talk about it. So that's my bet on that one. So we'll go through a few of them. Gonzo Strangelove on Twitter, Hurts Donut, and he has two actually. Watch Bridges Collapse. I I wouldn't uh you know, that seems pretty uh Let's see kind of like making a a quick declaration on Trajan Bridges uh Time at safety on defense. But yeah, I mean he it was a, a memorable game as far as he was penalized a couple times. So that's Gonjo Strange Love. And also on Twitter, Warren Beck. His is simple. Team to beat. All right. Got a few more on Facebook. Derek Kendall has a couple. More improved defense. And then I think this one kind of goes with his uh his last three-word review. Still needs work, which I think he also might be referencing Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts continues to always talk about how they got to take steps and keep getting better. It's actually become a bit now. It's kind of a it's ridiculous. Like who is going to be able to get Jalen Hurts to say anything positive in the, in the press conferences, man, because uh, I was in there on Saturday after the game. And, you know, he was asked the first question, I think, was, you know, what stood out to you? What's your what was your favorite play or what's the what's your biggest takeaway from the game? And it wasn't C.D. Lamb's big touchdowns or some of his good throws it was he just pointed to all the bad things (laughs) so it's comical at this point grant that you know jalen hurt jalen hurts very rarely ever says anything positive and it's certainly uh on purpose from his perspective have you i'm not sure how much of these press conferences you watch or hear but what have you noticed from hurts
1: i honestly i haven't seen the press conferences at all i um saturday was was one of the uh I was moving on Saturday pretty much all day. I had to watch the game on DVR delay. It was the only game I watched all day. It was uh, certainly not the, the most ideal way to spend a college football Saturday. So, no, I, I haven't seen any, anything like that. But, you know, with Hurts, with of course. I mean, when you're, when you're beating teams by 39 points, the great teams still find, find ways to challenge themselves and get better. And that's all Jalen Hurts
0: is doing. All right, more three-word reviews. Trey on Facebook. Speed D and Jalen got uh, more from Derek. <laughs> this is I, this is pretty creative. T-D-C-D. That counts as a three-word review. Very nice. Uh, Caleb on Facebook. Tech only 16 with an exclamation point. <laughs> and uh, I mentioned in the opening take, it's the fewest points Oklahoma has allowed against Texas Tech since 2010. And, in fact, I actually have the last uh, few years – uh, the 4.9 yards allowed per play by Oklahoma's defense, the best Oklahoma has done against the Texas Tech offense since 2012 when they also allowed 4.9 yards per play. Do you recall who was playing quarterback and who was coaching at Tech in 2012? In 2012 was Tuberville. It was still Tuberville? Okay. And honestly, no, I don't think I do remember the quarterback that season. Because uh, in 2010, when they only scored seven, it was Taylor Potts. So thank you for uh, that information, Google. But, uh, I mean, yeah, go the last, the last few years. I mean, 2018, Oklahoma allowed 6.6 yards per play. 2017, 6.2 yards per play. And this is against Texas Tech. Obviously, 2016, Pat Mahomes, 7.8 yards per play. 2015, the year Oklahoma went to the playoff, and the defense was the last time Oklahoma had a, had a good defense. Only allowed 5 yards per play against Tech, but, a lot, but also allowed 27 points. So the 16 points, pretty good against Texas Tech team. And you go down the list, it's 6.5 yards per play, 5.8 yards per play, and then you get to 2012 where it was 4.9 yards per play. And then, uh, by the way, Oklahoma won all those games. Uh, In 2011 was the last time Oklahoma lost to Texas Tech, and the Sooners gave up 41 points and 572 total yards, 5.9 yards per play. I know a lot of numbers I'm throwing at you there few more three-word reviews before we get out of here. Shane on Facebook, very simple, that will do. <laughs> uh, Derek Kendall, again, Derek, hey, coming in with a lot of these three-word reviews. He had a, he had quite a bit, and you know what, this is a good – this is interesting. We didn't touch on this really when we talked about the defense, but his three-word review, only five TFL. So, actually, not a lot of havoc in that game, Grant. That uh, And I didn't quite catch that. Any comments um, on – I mean – Well, I mean, there was some havoc. Uh,
1: uh, Passes defended is a havoc play, and they had five passes defended in that game. Hmm. Gotcha. um, Yeah, but no, I I think this was something I did want to bring up, so I'm glad that uh, you read that one. Just because, yeah, I I think we can point to obvious improvement in the front seven, but I think you could also say that the stats don't necessarily bear that out. So I think
0: that's maybe something to watch going forward. And Derek, with uh, his... Like fifth three-word review, so I appreciate you providing content for this segment, Derek. And it kind of goes along with this last one: only one sack. And I think it's pretty clear that these opposing teams are are calling plays to prevent Oklahoma's defensive line from getting into the backfield and getting sacks. I mean, they're they want to get rid of the football, and that's kind of the, the point I was trying to make with Alan Bowman. It's like he's more of a drop back passer, and I know they want to get rid of the football with him too, but he's not as good of a scrambler and he's not as mobile as jet duffy and so it makes me wonder if he would have played sure he probably would have hit on some more passes he's a better passer by far than duffy but it makes you kind of wonder if oklahoma would have got to the quarterback a little more if if boma would have played all right that's all the three word reviews thank you all for your input uh you know what, let's uh, i'm gonna skip this this last bit because we're going a little longer than we thought we would go we got some nfl football to watch here on this sunday afternoon grant uh any final thoughts before we get out of here just want to keep it rolling next week. This team is really good; they're real good. So,
1: um, they're going to get one more tune-up before Texas, and I think uh, that's that's what everyone's going to be talking about. Probably even this week. It's definitely going to be kind of difficult, right? To uh, to find an angle for Kansas this week, but um, in terms of OU and their defense, like you said, they gave up like forty to Kansas last year and let Puka Williams run wild. So. If they're looking for internal ways to challenge themselves, there you go,
0: right there. That's 100% going to be the motivation for the defense. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to have any problems being prepared for Kansas because of what happened last season. Uh, and, you know, you could, the classic, you know, listen this next week whenever, you know, those of you out there that enjoy, you know, sports betting or things like that, or you just, you could, when you listen to the pundits and talk about, how they t- they'll they mention, oh, you know, this is a look-ahead game for Oklahoma. You know, they're going to be looking ahead to Texas. Watch out. For- I mean, they're not going to say watch out for Kansas. No one's going to pick Kansas to win this game. But when the line comes out at, you know, OU on the road as a 30-point favorite, you know, people will be saying, oh, I don't know about this. Just know that we have been following this team for a while. There is going to be motivation there for Oklahoma to slap Kansas around because of the way things went last year. And also you think about the 2017 whenever Kansas was just embarrassing – and i mean granted you could argue that baker mayfield was also somewhat embarrassing in that game too but uh that was the the games against kansas have been kind of weird the last couple of years so i think oklahoma initially as we talk on sunday there should be uh, a lot of motivation for both sides of the football i hope so i hope that's how it plays out okay grant that does it for today we'll be back later this week to take a look at oklahoma's matchup with the jayhawks and talk about the rest of the college football world until then Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.